Welcome to the 48th episode of Warriors Off Court, the San Francisco Chronicles NBA podcast. I'm your host, Warriors beat writer Connor Letourneau, and today I'm joined by sports columnist Scott Osler to discuss the odd state of affairs for this team. Golden State has lost six of its past 10 games, and none of those defeats are worse than Sunday's, when it fumbled away a 16-point first quarter lead to fall to Phoenix for the first time in 19 meetings. With the playoffs a little more than four weeks away, can the Warriors get things back on track for the games that matter most? Scott and I tried to answer that question. I'll have our conversation right after the break. Scott Osler is the Chronicle's award-winning sports columnist. We caught up after Warriors availability Monday to try to understand what exactly is ailing the back-to-back NBA champions. So Scott, thanks for joining me in my humble abode. Um, we were fresh off Warriors practice where uh, the Warriors had what they call a get-what-you-need day, uh, which basically just means it's kind of an optional workout, no formal practice, so players weren't obligated to speak to us. All The only person we talked to was Steve. Steve talked to us for a while about a range of subjects. There's no shortage of things to talk about right now with this team, never a dull day. Um, fresh off that loss last night, against against the Suns, the worst team in the West. What, what are your big takeaways right now, Scott? Well, the one takeaway is we didn't get what we needed today. We, we needed to talk to Draymond Green to get his take on the, the situation with Steve Kerr. But uh, my take is that uh, these are trying times, man. They got some issues to, to, they're facing, the Warriors do. And, and uh, if they don't get them cleaned up, they're going to be in trouble. I'm, I'm not saying they're, de- they're doomed and everything's falling apart, but they definitely have some issues. And I think Kerr is admitting that. And... Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how, see how they face them. And and it's it's for us on the outside, for us observers and writers and so forth, it's great theater and drama. So bring it on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, as writers, you all you can really ask for is storylines. And this season, there's been no shortage of storylines. Um, I guess, you know, as an observer of the team, someone who's around the team every day, I really do feel like there's something off with this team right now. There's a weird vibe. Um, it's hard to pinpoint exactly what it is. I could speculate, but I'm not in the business of speculation. Um, but you know, as someone who I know isn't around the team every single day, but you're around them enough to get a sense for, you know, how players feel and how the the team is interacting with each other. What do you think's going on right now? Well, there's a lot of different things. It's, it's certainly the big picture is it's not, the big happy family and everybody's lovey-dovey and everything like it was like say four years ago, the first couple of years at least of the Steve Kerr and the, the current uh, dynasty thing, there's definitely some stuff going on. And, and if you want to break it down, Kevin Durant is a, a factor because he's kind of, he seems like he's kind of distant or uh, discontent, unhappy. And Steve Kerr has admitted that, that that's the case somewhat. And um, the Marcus Cousins, is is you know he, we know he's a quirky guy anyway, and uh, he seems unhappy with some things and and the fact that he is not fitting in perfectly and making the team automatically a lot better uh, is has got to be weighing on him. So those are two of the factors and uh, the fact that you know Steph Curry is in a shooting slump and and just when you add all these things together you you get some strange uh, strange drama including Draymond Green not happy with the way things are going yeah so to kind of in case 
you've been living under a rock warriors fan i i you've probably you probably you probably already know what's going on but uh late in the game last night steve kerr was talking during a team huddle during a timeout to assistant coach mike brown and basically said i'm so effing uh i'm so effing tired of draymond and video of that was caught by multiple tv cameras and it went incredibly viral very quickly um dredging up the whole narrative of you know what's what's up with steve and draymond because they they have a history uh you remember february 2016 in the locker room in oklahoma city uh draymond was upset that kerr was questioning his shot selection and had to be had to be torn apart you know had to be held back from from attacking Steve in the locker room. And it was so bad, apparently, that ESPN later reported that Oklahoma City police was on hand and they thought they were going to have to intervene. So, um, and then, you know, obviously earlier this season, Steve and Bob Myers decide to take the relatively unprecedented, you know, move to suspend Draymond because they were so upset with how he handled that arg- on-court argument with, with Kevin Durant. Um so you you got to wonder, is this just something that you can brush under the rug? Does this not really mean anything, any normal frustration? Or is this the sign of something more concerning? Well, for one thing, obviously, Kerr didn't do this on purpose. So, it, But I think this is, is great irony because Draymond is getting a taste of his own medicine. Because Draymond, is, is a, his big thing has always been, look, I'm a fiery guy. I say, what I say what's on my mind. I speak my mind. I'm a leader and that's that's the way I do it. And if you don't like it, if you don't like the way I am, that's too bad. Well, now he's faced with somebody else giving him a taste of of that Draymond medicine, even though Kerr didn't, didn't do it intentionally. Um, and so we'll see if, if Draymond can accept it in that in that way, you know, rather than than, than bristling and, and saying the coach hates me or I don't like the coach anymore and we can't be together. Just say it like, okay, I, I understand because that's the way I am too. We're both fiery guys and in a moment of fashion, he spoke up and said he was he 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 couldn't effing put stand me anymore so uh but the the interesting thing now would be to see how how both parties react we saw how steve kerr reacted he basically said which i think is to his credit he basically said yes that's what i said i he didn't say that in so many words but he admitted that 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 he said it and you know that's the way it is now everything's caught on on video and and you can't avoid that now we'll see how draymond uh, handles the whole situation that'll be really interesting i mean the reality is that they have so much in front of them right now um we're hitting the stretch run of the regular season obviously you know then you have the playoffs and the pursuit of a third straight title and one thing that steve talked at length about today was look like this this is tough you're seeing how hard this is it's not easy there's a reason why a lot of teams don't win three straight titles no team has done it since the early 2000s lakers and there's been some good teams you know spurs teams celtics teams uh lakers teams uh since since those teams and um it's just because not only is the complacency factor a real thing and and climbing uphill year in and year out but Guys might get sick of each other. Personalities might wear on each other. You know, there's competing interests. There's contracts, you know, that are coming up. There, there's a lot of things going on. And you, you remember better than I do. I think the '98, but was it '98 Bulls? Yeah. Um, 
that that the final year of that Bulls dynasty where they won a title, but everyone kind of knew that this was the last hurrah, and it pretty much fell apart right after that. Steve remembers that very well, and I don't think this is the the new '98 Bulls, but they're dealing with some of the same issues. Yeah, and and Kerr's point today is that uh, he'd, he'd look back on those '98 Bulls. And as we look back on it, as fans and writers and so forth, we look back, oh, the Bulls, of course they won that year. They had Michael Jordan, they had Scottie Pippen, they were a dynasty. Of course they beat Utah in the finals. And Steve Kerr looked at it like, oh, my God, it was, I can't believe we scraped that thing out. We just had to pull everything out of ourselves to win that. We had Scottie Pippen with his back in spasms. We were down 17 to Utah in the first quarter at, in, in Utah, and it was desperate times. Man, I, I it was so amazing that we pulled that out and that it was so we were so happy afterwards and if you put yourself in that spot or, or listen to Kerr you realize that he's right that this stuff is really really hard um you know like the first year maybe they first season with Kerr they sort of made it look easy and they came out of nowhere and oh they surprised everybody now they, they don't they don't sneak up or surprise anybody other teams are playing warrior style basketball moving the ball around playing warrior type defense everyone's catching up with them it's like the you know the hounds are on their trail, and uh, it's it's very tough. I, you don't have to over dramatize it to to see that it, that it's a it's a very tough road they've got. And if they win this one, like Steve says, when they pour the champagne, they're really going to pour the champagne because they're going to earn it. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, if there have been times, you know, I remember the first the first year I covered the Warriors, which was Durant's first year, uh, sixteen seventeen. I remember covering that finals and when they won the title and feeling like it was really anticlimactic yeah. because I think it came too easy. You know, they steamrolled through the playoffs 16 and one. And I think they, you know, enjoyed it. You know, obviously they were happy to win, but it wasn't that euphoric, you know, amazing, you know, one shining moment type moment that you're used to seeing in the movies. And last year wasn't that either. Uh, I think, you know, because the only issue they seriously had to deal with was their own complacency. But this year, there's so many different factors, some of which are internal, some of which are exter- external. I think the league has gotten better. I think the talent divide has tightened. Um, I think there are some teams, particularly in the East, that could seriously threaten the Warriors in a seven-game series, Toronto, Boston, Philly, you know. Um, so it's going to be interesting. I don't think there's any guarantees. Um, I guess, you know, what are what are you hoping to see from the Warriors in this upcoming trip? Because this is a pretty critical trip. They have a four-game trip, last major road trip of the regular season, starting at Houston and then heading to Oklahoma City. You can make the argument that those are their two biggest threats in the West. So what do, what do you want to see from the Warriors? Well, off the court, I think they're going to kind of button it up because I think Kerr, you know, burned by this video, is going to sort of double down and, and tell all the players, look, I, I'm sorry I was caught on video. It was careless of me, and it, it put us in a compromising position. So we've all got to be more careful about this. We've got to keep everything in-house, keep everything internal. internal. So I don't think you're going to see Draymond or anybody going outside and raving and ranting and all that stuff. So it's going to be a little hard to tell what's going on internally so a guy like you connor is going to have to sort of read that for us and interpret it for us as much as good as you can from what you can glean from that road trip so internally it's going to be important how how they come together after this little crisis and then on the court 
they've got to find some more consistency. They, they, time after time, they're behind earlier in the game. And when they're not, the last two games they've won, uh, actually the last game they won and, and the Phoenix game, they got ahead early, then blew a big lead, and then had to come back. And once they were held on, and the other time they didn't hold on. So they've just got to, they've got to find their groove. I know that's a, a corny way of saying it, but they just haven't really found that for, for a whole game to play a whole solid game on offense and defense. They just, uh, they're searching for that. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. And the, the, it's interesting because whether, even if they, they had a bunch of slow starts recently and then last night they get off to a great start and you think, Oh, they figured it out. You know, they're doing what they should do against a really bad team. The Suns, Yes, everyone wants to talk about the fact that they beat Milwaukee twice. Yes, they have, but they're also the only team in the West that's already been eliminated from the playoffs. They have the second worst record in the league. They're hoping to get Zion Williamson. That is more important than, you know, anything else for them in the next few months is it's getting Zion Williamson. But they they start out really well, get a 16-point first quarter lead and then just almost on cue just start just lay an egg, just disappear. Yeah on both sides of the ball. It's like you can almost predict it at this point. It's like, oh, they're playing really well. Well, inevitably, they're going to play really badly then, which that didn't used to be the case. Obviously, that 73-win season, when they were playing well, the expectation was that they were going to keep it up, and so that has totally changed. Yeah, and and one thing is that the pressure is really on this team more than any of the last four Warriors teams. Obviously, the first year and even the second year, the expectations weren't through the roof. Once they got Durant, of course, the expectations were sky high, but they fulfilled them. So this year, the expectations are higher than ever because they added Cousins. And so if they don't win this, everybody's going to look at it from the outside, fans, observers, media people, and the team itself is going to look at this as a massive failure. This is a there's only one way to come out of this alive, and that's to win the whole thing if they don't. It's my God, you guys had every all the talent in the whole world and you and you screwed it up. You couldn't figure it out. You couldn't get together. So I think they're feeling the weight of that that those expectations and that pressure. Yeah, no, I I agree. And you you kind of alluded to it earlier, but um Durant, I think it's pretty well chronicled at this point. He's not in the greatest headspace. He's not uh he's not that easygoing, joyful guy that you're used to seeing earlier in his career you know he's he's been very sullen um i I, you know you haven't seen him interacting with teammates a lot um he's been kind of you know you go in after practice or you know after a shoot around and he's over there thumbing through his phone by himself which i'm not saying that's completely you know out of the ordinary a lot of players are, are looking through their phone looking through their phones but there just feels like there's a different energy coming from him and it's hard to say exactly why that is i think a lot of it obviously as he's made very clear uh has to do with the fact that he is not super happy with media's coverage uh of his pending free agency obviously february 8th the the press conference that will live in infamy um when he called out Ethan Strauss and the rest of media for, for coverage of his free agency. Um, you know, he's had a couple of days since then where he's been lighter, but you know, he's just not quite been himself. You well, know? Let me ask you this, Connor. Do you think the tipping point was the, the sideline thing with, with Draymond 
because it seems to me like that really affected him. And uh, he's not the kind of guy that can shrug that off. And, oh, that was just Draymond being Draymond, you know. Uh, it, it seemed like that went pretty deep with him. And that might have been, maybe that was, will turn out to be a, a turning point where he said, screw it, man. I, <laughs> I can't be with these guys. Yeah. Um, I think that was a pivotal moment. Um, you know, knowing, yeah, I'm not going to pretend that I know Kevin on a deeply personal level, but I, I think I've been around him and talk to people close to him enough to have a good understanding of how he thinks and operates. And I do think that someone like him is going to have a tough time fully getting over that. You know, he, he can, you know, be professional about it and go on and, and play at a high level and win a title and, you know, try to be civil with, with Draymond, um, just in, in the name for the sake of the team. But I will say that, you know, my first two years, his first two years with the Warriors, it seemed like him, he and Draymond were not just teammates, but they were genuinely good friends. And you haven't seen that this season. Uh, you wonder how much that incident has to do with that. I'm sure it didn't help. Um, but I haven't seen Durant interacting with his teammates in the same way, you know, that he used to. And... Um, so I think a lot of that is just he's he's sick of circus. He's sick of what we're doing right now. He's <laughs> sick of all the speculation and analyzing and and all that. And I feel like he's just he's kind of shown us that he's over it. And he's, you know, credit to him, it hasn't affected his play. Right. He's still playing at a very high level. Um if they if they don't win the title, I don't think it'll be because of him. Yeah. And speaking of his play, I, I also wonder if about his relationship with Kerr. And uh, we we know that uh, Kevin has said a couple things during the season where he kind of like the, the other night where he said, uh, when Kerr said, got, we got to play with more anger. And Durant came back in his press conference and said, anger, I thought we we're supposed to play with joy, man. I don't accept that, what, what he said. So that was kind of an interesting point. And I think that Durant seems like the kind of guy who, um, he, he can't. He, he comes here and he's still under scrutiny for you. You're not playing warrior style basketball. You're not moving the ball enough. Too much ISO. Come on, stop doing the ISO thing. It screws up the whole offense. And I think he sees that as a as a critique of his style of basketball. I think he's trying to to play team basketball and everything. And he's not totally taking the team out of sync, but in in a way he is. So I think uh, that that's kind of a sticking point too. That he, in some ways, feels that he has not been properly assimilated into the offense i guess yeah yeah and i mean the, you know the reality is and he he's well aware of uh, he was well aware of this when he signed up with the warriors this is steph curry's team steph is the face of this franchise and i'm not i'm not saying that durant feels the need to be the face of the franchise i think he's he was hyper aware of the situation i think he's okay with it he has a tremendous amount of respect genuine respect for stephen curry um but I also think, like anyone, there's a part of him that's like, I'm Kevin Durant. <laughs> like, you're going to criticize me for how I approach the game? I'm Kevin Durant. I'm one of the greatest scorers of all time. I'm one of the greatest players of all time. I mean, it's very possible that 20 years from now when people are analyzing the greatest players of all time, they're going to rank Kevin Durant ahead of Steph Curry. Kind of along the lines of what you're talking about, great players tend to have – big egos and, and be somewhat difficult personalities. 
And we get kind of spoiled because if you go back to the first year of this this deal, Draymond was still kind of the new guy. He just broke into the starting lineup that first year. And so he wasn't full 100% Draymond. He was still full of himself and all that stuff. So the main guys on the team were the Splash Brothers, right? Right. And those two guys, you can't find in any sport two more sort of get-along, agreeable. When have you ever heard Steph Curry or Clay Thompson uh, sort of rock the boat or screw things up or say dumb things or or sulk or do any of that stuff? Those are the most even keel, regular guy, regular Joes you would ever find. So we got spoiled. We figured, okay, that's the way it should be. Well, then you add in Draymond and he comes into his fullness as a sort of a team leader and a fiery guy and a loose cannon. And then you add in Kevin Durant, who's who is a different kind of personality, a little bit more, uh, you know, high maintenance, I guess you would say. And then you got adding Cousins, who's also kind of a high maintenance guy. I don't, well, I don't think there's any doubt about that. I think you'd be considered a high maintenance guy. And so now you, just, instead of having these guys that are just eh, out here having fun, almost like at the gym, you got this roiling big ball of personalities and complexes and stuff. And, uh, you know, Kerr's really good at dealing with that stuff and he knows you have to deal with it, but it's still a big challenge. If you had to say right now, do you think, you know, if you had to put a percentage on the chances that Kevin Durant comes back next season, what what would you say the percent chance of him coming back next season? I'd say just from what I see on the outside and, and read and determine and feel, I'd say about 10%, maybe. Okay. What do you think? I'd put a little higher than that, but not much higher. I'd put it probably 20%, 25%. And I, um, it's not it's not super high. And and a lot of people say, oh, well, you know, he came here and he had happy feet and he's a wandering kind of guy. I don't think that's the case. You know, he he spent one year at Texas because he was a great player. So obviously he's not going to hang around there for two or three years. That would be silly. He he goes pro and he's with Oklahoma City for what, seven or eight years? Mm-hmm. Well, it started in Seattle, but with the same team for seven or eight years. And he wasn't looking around or anything. And he, he just saw an opportunity and, and he wanted to make a life change. So he came to, to Golden State. And I don't think that was a result of, I'm just going to move around every year. So I don't think that's his intention. But um, I think now he's of a mind of, I'm going to at least look around and see what's out there, see what the possibilities are. Everybody else is making these combinations and super teams and with LeBron and all these guys. And if they can do it, I should be able to do that too. I should be able to look around and see, at least check out and see what my opportunities are rather than just say, I'm going to stay here forever. So I, I don't hold that against him, but... Yeah, I just don't. I I don't think he has it in his mind of you know I'm I can't I can't stay a place more than a year or two. I don't think it's it's mapped out in his mind like that. I mean, keep in mind he was in Oklahoma City for seven, eight years, eight, eight years. Um, and I think a, a big part of him until the end of that run really believed that he would stay there his whole career. But I do think there's a restlessness to him. Um, you know, he and this is a guy who isn't tethered the way a lot of other guys his age are, you know, he's 30 years old, he's single, has no kids, you know, every decision he makes um, is for him, you know, because he doesn't have to worry about a wife or or kids, you know? So, um, you you know, that that's his prerogative. Also compare it. Let's say a guy like Clay Thompson, who's one extreme, just seems completely happy to be on the Warriors. He likes the team. He likes the coach. He likes the staff. He likes the teammate. He likes everything about it. He's happy coming to the gym every day. I'm not saying he's a simple-minded guy by any means, but I'm just saying he's really content 
doing what he's doing and would be happy to continue doing it. Whereas Durant is, is in some ways more of a complex guy in that he's just looking for other things. And he, he's not necessarily sure all the time what he's looking for. It's just that he, you know, we know people like this in life. Some people are just completely happy with their job and their life and their marriage and everything. Other guys are just, oh my God, I should be doing something else. I should be traveling the world. I should be in China now. I should find another wife. I should. So, you know, so some people are easy going and some people have more stuff going on. And Durant is kind of on the, on that, that far end of, of people who are not totally comfortable with everything that's going on or are constantly looking. Yeah. Yeah. I think people lose sight of the fact sometimes that as cliche as it is to say, I mean, these guys are, are people and they have personal, you know, personality traits they have personal circumstances and a lot of people take the Durant situation and they say oh well he must not be happy with the Warriors he must not be happy with his teammates he must not he must hate Steve Kerr because it's looking like he's going to leave there are a lot of reasons independent of the team itself for him to want to leave and I think people need to remember that um well Scott I think we I think we kind of think we kind of analyzed it from every angle. I really appreciate you joining me. It's always it's always great for uh it's always great to chat with you and thanks for meeting me in my my uh, apartment. It it made things a little easier for me. My pleasure, Con. I'm like I guess I went a little Sigmund Freud on you there, but uh it's very interesting and I hope everybody out there is like Connor who really appreciates the spot he's in right now, not just covering a, a really good team, but covering an interest, a, a, a great team in a really, really interesting and fascinating situation, which if you're a sports fan, that, you know, what more could you ask for? And, and Connor's not only working hard, but he's, I think, enjoying and uh, just crazy spot we're in right now and making yeah, the best. Yeah, I, I will say this. I mean, I'm, I'm enjoying this season way more than last season because last season was boring. And like that's the worst thing I can say about a season is that it's boring. I, I need stuff to write. I need, I need angles. I need, uh, you know. And there's been no shortages this season. So, I mean, I'm I'm happy. I, I wish I wish Kevin felt the same way. I wish, you know, everyone felt the same way. But so can you guarantee you're going to be here next year? You're not going to jump. Uh, I, I never. I can never guarantee oh, anything. Whoa, whoa, whoa. But I hope to be here next year. Yes, as long as my bosses don't fire me. All right. Thanks, Con. I want to thank Scott for joining me on this week's podcast. Always great catching up with him and chatting Warriors. Warriors Off Court is part of the San Francisco Chronicle Podcast Network. Audrey Cooper is the editor-in-chief. If you like this show, we'd love it if you subscribe to it wherever you get your podcasts. And if you've got a minute to give us a quick review, that helps us build our audience so we can keep growing. Follow me on Twitter at con underscore cron and email me at cleturno at sfchronicle.com. Support Warriors Off Court and a lot of great journalism with a subscription to the San Francisco Chronicle. There are print and digital editions. Find out more at sfchronicle.com slash subscribe. Subscribe.